You are welcome to another exciting episode of CADA Matters. CADA Matters is an awareness-raising program of CADA. CADA is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, a UK-based charity working to prevent and end domestic abuse, especially in Christian homes. Listen to this episode with Gracilis so as to build healthy relationships and keep your home and relationships abuse-free. Kada matters. Kada is an acronym for Church Against Domestic Abuse, and we meet here every Thursday live on Instagram at 8:30 p.m. After tonight, you can watch this program on the IGTV, or you can listen to it on any of the major podcasts. You can check it on Apple Podcasts. You can check it on um, Google. You can check it on Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, any which one. If you want to go be on the go, tonight we'll be discussing domestic abuse and human trafficking. For those of us who are familiar, um, Sunday, June. 20th, Sixth um, was the international day for illegal drug trafficking, illegal drugs and trafficking. So to, and I just felt that this was something we could do. And this has been planned a long time ago. So let's not think it's um, due to some of the current events. It's been planned a long time ago and things have just fallen us at this particular point. So I'll let our guest Loretta introduce herself to us so that um, for those who are wondering why is she the one speaking tonight? let you know why she is the one to speak tonight. Thank you, Loretta. Thank you very much, Grace Tomloya, my classmate and friend, um, a fellow humanist, I would say, because all of the things you, Kada matters, husband matters, all the things you do are voluntary, and God bless you and your team. My name is Loretta, Loretta Oduare Oboroko. Uh, my background is primarily medicine, specifically obstetrics and gynecology, where I'm a consultant. Along the way, I have done a master's in public health research, where my main focus was on post-abortion complications in south-southern Nigeria at the time, and women's reproductive health. And then I went on to do clinical education, where I was interested in how to do adult teaching in a clinical space for both the patients, so educating the patients, patients' awareness, issues of abuse, trafficking, developing IEC, that means information education, communication materials, as well as teaching my colleagues and the younger ones in the clinical space in an MDT manner, so that's multidisciplinary team manner. I went on to get additional certifications in simulation um, and emergency um, gynae and obstetric teaching. So what that means is we all know that you cannot um, just make a human being to start bleeding so that you can so that you can treat them, um, but you can get high, what we call high fidelity mannequins like the pilots do to train people. And I thought, okay, to myself that. Now I have conquered teaching, conquered healing in health. What's the other problem humanity is facing? And I found out that at least um, 6 million Edo State people are in the diaspora. And uh, of all of these people, we contribute a lot to illegal migration and trafficking. In fact, the International Organization for Migration estimated that um, when they do migrant returnees for illegal migration, those states people, we carry a huge chunk, over about 60% of returnees are from those states. And that's really scary. Uh, so I thought to myself, it's not enough to keep complaining what can be the solution. So I started a PhD in law and criminology, and my special emphasis are on trafficking, trafficking and contemporary slavery. Um, so I'm sure that Kada Matters hasn't made a mistake from both sides of the prong in terms of exposure to trafficking, contemporary slavery, domestic abuse, women reproductive health. Women happen to be the most trafficked population, women and girls, compared to men. Um, and here I am today speaking on the subject matter of human trafficking, contemporary slavery, and domestic abuse, Thank or you. abuse generally. 
Okay. Thank you so much. I'm sure that by now, those who were confused, those who were undecided, they, they know very well that this is the woman for the job today. Um, she's doing a PhD currently, as she has said, and her specialty, what she's looking at is illegal trafficking and contemporary slavery. So I just going to start quickly. We're going to fly as much as possible. Um, and I'm just going to start with asking you, um, Loretta, what is human trafficking? If I was going to say to a kindergarten person, what's human trafficking? I think the child will first of all say human means human beings like me. Traffic means movement. <laughs> so um, human trafficking is actually the movement of human beings. But the United Nations in, in the Palermo um, Protocol has defined human trafficking. And this has been adopted by the International Organization for Migration as well as the International Labor Organization, ILO. And they have termed it as the recruitment, the transportation, the transfer, harboring, or receipt. Please mark the words for people listening. It's the recruitment or the transportation or the transfer or the harboring, mind you, all of this can happen, so it's not exclusive. So you can recruit and transfer and transport or harbor or receipts of persons by means of threats or use of force or other forms of coercion, of abduction, of fraud, of deception, of the abuse of power. That means there's a gradient. Please note that bit because it's going to come in very relevant when discussing abuse and trafficking. Of deception, of the abuse of power or of a position of vulnerability. So you are exploiting a position of vulnerability of another individual or of the giving or receiving of payments or benefits to achieve the consent of a person having total control over another person for the purpose of exploitation. So it's not for the purpose of making that person better, as some people would claim, but for the purpose of exploitation. Now, what is exploitation? The UN goes on to further tell you that exploitation shall include, at a minimum, the exploitation of the prostitution of others or other forms of sexual exploitation, forced labor or services, slavery or practices that are similar to slavery, servitude, or the removal of organs. So this is a very holistic definition. And it takes into cognizance every aspect. That means if you transfer somebody, you are an accomplice in trafficking. If you receive, you are an accomplice. If you aid and abet, you are an accomplice. If you, in, in terms of servitude, is the person serving you? Anywhere where someone is being exploited, once there is a pressure or power gradient and there's a vulnerability that is being exploited all of these count towards human trafficking and contemporary slavery as an adjunct although sometimes there are slight variations when people talk about forced labor um, because you can actually have forced labor without trafficking so that means that you can be in your own country of abode and be forced into labor or servitude, but you've not been transported and you've not been transferred. So there are some slight variations, but what I have given is the Palomero Protocol, which is the holistic definition and the United Nations definition for human trafficking adopted by International Organization for Migration and International Labor Organization. 
Thank you. I think that's a very holistic one. I mean, when you talk about a recruitment, a transportation, a transfer, harboring, or even receipts of persons by any forms of means such as threats, coercion, um, abuse of power, deception, because I think most of our girls um, in those states, I remember listening to someone recently and she told such, oh my goodness, when she shared her story, I, I just, I thought, when I, I was happy she escaped, but when I thought about all the other girls who were not who were not going to escape, she, 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 someone said to her, "Oh, come and come, come somewhere and come and work." This was someone who was already planning to get married. They would just come and work, and oh, I connected her to someone claiming his whole land. And the next thing she found herself, she was in a house with several people, you know, being transported. And God helped her to be able to escape, to be honest, at the end of the day. But I thought about how many all the other girls who found themselves in forced prostitution. And it makes me to begin to wonder, I know you said something about even organ transfer. What are the different types of trafficking? I think from what you said, it covered... From what you said, I can I can pick up forced labor, prostitution, slavery, organ trafficking. Are there other types of human trafficking, perhaps? Oh yes, oh yes. The the human trafficking and contemporary slavery business is a multi-billion-dollar industry with a lot of clandestine and criminal activities driven underground. Um, and it, it, I think it comes. It's the third largest source of income for for um, people in the criminal space coming behind drugs and arm trafficking. Mm. So it's it's a it's a very lucrative criminal business that people would die for, you know. And there are different types of trafficking or different types of exploitation. And you've rightly mentioned them, even from the definition. Um, you, the, the, the three most common ones, when people are asked, they'll just commonly say that the types of human trafficking are sex, sex trade, forced labor, where someone is taken and then put into a place where they have to work hard in groups for little or no pennies in bad working environments um, and they are serving a bigger cartel that makes money of their labor. So forced labor, there are no contracts signed, there's nothing like minimum wage. And then domestic servitude, this is where you have people in houses who labor and serve and work for the people who run the houses. However, it's a bit more than that. Um, it's a bit more than these three. I would like to look at it um, under the bigger terms of one, labor exploitation. So labor exploitation is where, like I said, they, they, they actually take people irrespective of gender and age, but we know that women youths and young girls especially at risk of these because if you think about it let me just quickly mention that the economic sectors that profit the most from human trafficking are agriculture the restaurants manufacturing domestic work entertainment and the commercial sex industry so that will give you an idea of the types of trafficking so there's labor exploitation where people are taking and used to make labor um, and whatever, maybe farms and all of that. Even things like growing cannabis in large scales, underground, poor working environment. And it's ironic, some big companies have been implicated in forced labor where they have very poor working conditions. Um, then you have sexual exploitation, which we all know, which is the sex trade. And of course, you have under that forced marriage, you know, under sex explo sexual exploitation, somewhere there is the toga of forced marriage. And then you have the other big heading, which is domestic servitude. So domestic servitude is when people are forced to go and provide domestic help for little or no actual benefit to them 
but maybe someone else who is a middle person is being paid. In some of our, those of us who are migrants to the UK, in some of our home countries, you have what they call houseboys, housegirls. Sometimes a lot of these people are not directly from their parents, but they are from either a third or a fourth party who is actually being paid and those people themselves do not get their own salaries. There is criminal exploitation where young people are just taken and then groomed to commit crimes. Pickpockets, young people are being made to transport and sell drugs and they act across borders known as country lines. And of course, there is a child exploitation. Who better to exploit in a position of vulnerability with a gradient than children? So these are the common types of um, trafficking and contemporary slavery that you will encounter. And don't forget the ever-growing business of organ harvesting. And that's something that now we are finding that it's even cutting across strata. What do I mean? Um, you know that the, in terms of forced labor, sex work, and all of that, it's mainly women. But organ harvesting they are targeting young people because there is this myth that their organs are healthier, which, yes, medically is true. It's less better depending on their habits. And then they are selling them just for their organs. Sometimes many of them are killed and the organs are just harvested. So it's really gory out there. The tales are gory. And believe you me, even in my PhD, I've had to take significant security measures, confidentiality measures, and just name it, because this is a clandestine um, industry driven underground. You know, people sometimes say that victims of trafficking, they are in your face, and yet you don't see them. So these are the types. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Um, you've said quite a, num a number of things, and from what you said, you may be able to deduce my next question, which is why this practice occurs. I mean, people are trying to make ends meet or make more than ends meet for themselves, really. And what are the peculiarities that makes this possible? You've talked about the power gradient. You've talked about the dynamics, really, in, in the whole thing. If you're looking at this, is there? You think that there's some more things that makes it possible for for human trafficking to occur? And is there an interface between human trafficking and domestic abuse? Um. To answer your question, I'll go back to the very beginning and tell us that. Um, trafficking you need to establish the burden of something isn't it when i say the burden the numbers so that you have an idea and then you study those numbers to find out the possible causes the problem with trafficking is that we have a lot of qualitative data but quantitative data is is challenging to validate and there's a global slavery index that has told us that you know, in 2013, 2014, 2018 was the last one that about 40.3 million people find themselves in slavery. And that is huge. What do you think we make 40.3 million people just find themselves on the threshold of slavery? human trafficking, organ harvesting, domestic servitude? The answers are not far-fetched. I want us to sort of divide them into push and pull factors so that there's some sort of order to read. What are the push factors? What are the pull factors? Because I could just list them off the top of our heads. We could list, list them as poverty, war, natural disasters, search for better life or greener pastures and all of that. But when you categorize it, think about it. What could push people to go into trafficking? And what could push people to be trafficked? One, 
I've told you it's a multi-billion dollar industry. So the traffickers are pushed by the game. And those who are trafficked, some of them do not know, but poverty makes them see greener pastures. And we've already said that poverty can be brought on by poor or maladministration of governance and the common collective patrimony of the people, filtering away their common wealth, instability in government. So where you have coups, wars, natural disasters, and those things that may have happened. Yeah, you have women and often children who are targets of these uh, people who traffic. And then the pool factors. What are those things? I've told you one is the huge, you know, the huge economic benefits of the whole thing. And obviously, people move along the lines of colonization. So if you look at it, people mostly um, from places like Nigeria, Ghana, you are finding a lot of them being trafficked to parts of Europe. Understandably, a lot of those West African coastline colonized by countries in Europe, um, France, Britain, and all of those things. Then you have the demand for cheap labor. As industrialization takes on a new shape, that is how the shape shifting of the people who work to push the boundaries of industrialization are going to metamorphose as well. What do I mean? Today all of us are holding mobile phones and moving around with 5G, 4G, but there are some particular elements that are used to make these phones and they are mined in very very bad circumstances of forced labor that when you look at them sometimes you don't even want to use your phones there have been big companies cheap companies that were producing really cheap products at a time even primark was implicated and these people they have places and workhouses in other countries like China and in places where the working condition is completely deplorable. At a point in time, even here in the United Kingdom, Amazon was implicated. So these are all the pull factors. Why would people open their eyes and go and be employed in a situation where the minimum wage is not adhered to, where the so-called paid in the hand is done? It's because they've been pushed. So for us to begin to tackle the issues of, of contemporary slavery and trafficking, we must understand the peculiar push and pull factors in the different environments. That is the countries of origin or sourcing, the transit countries and the destination countries. So the countries of origin or sourcing are the low-income resource or low resource earning countries. And these are mainly countries within um, the African continent. There are countries in Latin America. There are countries in some of the Asian um, continents as well. And then the transit countries, these are where people will dock. For, for the African continent, you have countries like Libya, you have places like Agadez, you have places like Mali, and these are places where you have a lot of halfway, uh, I don't want to call it home because they are not homes, but halfway docking stations where people are being transited, are either dumped sometimes or they stay there and make some more money to continue on their, um, their journeys. And in those transit countries, why they are even more important is that a lot of abuse goes on there because destination countries have laws that are enforced, whereas transit countries most times have laws that are on paper and are never really enforced. So it's important that we have all of these distinctions in our mind. These are the causes of trafficking. Thank you so much. Um, for, I mean, you said quite a lot um, from what you said today. You've talked about the push and the pull factor. And then um, from even the first definition, that holistic definition, uh, I know that there is something, there's some form of 
interface between domestic abuse and human trafficking? And I'm wondering, does domestic abuse enhance, encourage human trafficking? What are the similarities or are there differences between human trafficking and domestic abuse? I, I believe that there are two sides of the same coin. Okay. Um, especially from my studies recently, what I have found out. Because if I use my study as a case in time, a case, um, a, a case basis for this discussion, um, I'm looking specifically at trafficked people of uh, those state origin who are in European countries. And what we found is that Whereas other people seek help when they are trafficked in, i.e. maybe people trafficked in from Asia and people trafficked in from Latin America, people from those states do not go to the, to the officials or the police or the responsible modern slavery help point in the countries that they've been trafficked to. And the question then began, why? Why don't they seek help? And the reason was not far-fetched. A lot of the persons who leave the countries of origin, where I'm doing my studies in, we found that they actually take voodoo oaths. And parts of their anatomy are left at shrines scattered across the sourcing or the supply countries. Now, what would make somebody give a part of their anatomy taking an oath to leave? One, either the poverty is so huge that they are so desperate they would do anything. Or two, they are actually beaten or coerced or blackmailed by even their family that it is now their responsibility to cater for them. So what do I mean? A man has five children. The first is a, a, a girl child. And he says, ah, there are many girl children who have made their, their families rich and got a better life for them. So you need to help us. You need to go to these European countries. And then these people are psychologically tuned, emotionally blackmailed, psychologically abused to go and do whatever it takes to bring the golden fleece to their family. So that in itself is a form of abuse because there has been a gradient and the gradient has been that, oh, I can manipulate my child who is vulnerable I'm in a position of power. Now, for those who go and get these greener pastures, there's a way that society abuses its own people within the society. What do I mean? If A comes and begins to spread dollar at an event, like we see in some of the sourcing countries, countries of origin, Again, Nigeria as a case study, or in Ghana, which I also researched, you then find that without us knowing in society, we are actually creating some sort of psychological abuse. Those who cannot spray that dollar, those who cannot live flamboyant lifestyle, those who are not able to, in quote, bam bam, begin to wonder how are the others doing it. And in the quest, to satisfy their own psychological disarrayment, they embark on these journeys. So that's psychological abuse as well. And then you actually have those who are actually just forced into it. I've had in my research talks and interview sessions that revealed that married women who were being beaten and battered in their marriages dropped their one child or two with their mothers and embarked on road trips across the desert and then across the Mediterranean to Europe. So domestic abuse has driven some women because what they told me is why suffer and be beaten for nothing when I could be beaten 
and have all forms of different sexual abuse, but yet be paid in Europe. So this is why I'm telling you that abuse and trafficking and contemporary slavery are two sides of the same coin. Totally they agree. They are very, very linked. And I'm giving the examples. Totally agree. Totally agree. That's um, totally agree because I mean, from the ones, the things, some of the things I read, um, some people, some some people actually even think they are doing their partners a favor. I see they think it's a romantic partner, but the whole thing started like a romantic relationship. But really, it wasn't a romantic relationship because behind the romantic relationship was deceit. The person just wanted to put them in a romantic relationship corner, and then before you know, they start saying to them, "Oh, we need to pay the bills." Um, are you not just going to help? Do you know if you sleep with that guy, we'll have bills for, we'll have our rent. Started. Yeah. And they do that to they several pin, other people. So, uh, they pin women. Yeah. Yeah. Loretta, how can you tell that someone is being trafficked? You know, I know you've talked about people taking oaths, not wanting to say anything. But if I'm just an observer, how can I tell that this person is being trafficked? What are the signs of human trafficking when I meet somebody for me to know that this person, all is not well? You know, as someone working in the field of human trafficking, I, I will tell you that there are no two trafficked persons or no two people who are undergoing issues with contemporary slavery who are exactly the same. I have seen people who look on the exterior like they are having the best time in their life, you know, that you, you other people want to be like them. I've seen people who are living in mansions and who are driving the best cars, and yet they are in a situation of contemporary slavery, sex pimping, domestic abuse, and all whatnot. But suffice it to say that in every population, there is what we call the Gosham Bell. So you have the extremes of the curve. On an average, someone who is trafficked has certain characteristics. But I really do not want us to miss those people who are on the extremes of the Gosham Bell, people who look even better than you and I, and yet they are victims of contemporary slavery. And for those watching, contemporary means in the now, modern day slavery, today's kind of slavery. So that makes it unique. Don't expect to see chains and shackles on the legs of people and or on their hands before you know that they are uh, victims of of slavery. So I think the key thing to look out for are the appearances of these people, their living conditions, and how they act. So what do I mean? In terms of appearances, don't always think it must look abnormal. Some of them look very well and even look better because they carry expensive phones and have expensive gifts. However, in most cases, you have people who have indications of physical abuse, uh, people who have been beaten with injuries that are not treated, people who look unkempt and malnourished and untidy. And then there are people who are, appear anxious. They are very jittery. Before you say anything, you know, they, they are withdrawn. And then there are those who look neglected. Then you see someone who is always wearing the same clothes and they may not even engage in any productive conversation. There are those who we engage in substance misuse, alcohol, and then in drugs. And obviously, if you look at some people, you wonder, what is their living condition like? But please don't forget, like I mentioned before, that some may be living in mansions, but in that mansion, they are under constant watch. They cannot use their phones only at certain times. So there are people that you call and there are certain times they never pick the phone. They only pick it at certain times, especially women in abusive relationships as well. Then most times people who are trafficked will live in cramped, unclean um, quarters and live together in overcrowded accommodation. Then sometimes they live with their employees. They live with their employees. They don't have bank accounts. They keep their monies in their stockings. When I went to Italy, 
these girls who were on the roads, they keep their monies in their stockings for two reasons. One, they couldn't even open bank accounts because they don't have their IDs on them. They were illegally trafficked, illegal migrants. They've not used their identity. And then, secondly, they are paid in the hand and they are worried that they'll be deported. So they want to have their monies on their person so that anytime they are deported, they have these monies with them. So you find people who don't have many or any possessions. There is no need. It makes no sense. On the contrary, you find someone with a lot of possessions because in women who are really pimped to be escorts, they are giving clothes, things that make them look attractive to the customers. So there is no one size fits all. But I think we should look out for the signs in someone who is isolated. They rarely travel on their own. There's always somebody there who you would think is a very loving relative, you know, and they have atypical relationships. That means they have relationships where there is a gradient. So you have an older person being a boyfriend or a girlfriend to a younger person, even though they are both adults, and a richer person being, you know, there's something not quite right. These people are reluctant to seek help. They have the fear of fear in them. The fear of fear, for you know, because they are scared of a voodoo oath they've taken. They are scared of being deported. They will not talk to the police in the destination countries. They have false identification and documents, and they have very little um, contact. So what do I mean? You see some people being brought to is wherever they are having social contacts in exotic cars, state of the art, but they are never quite alone. Immediately that appointment finishes, they are off. So I had uh, a woman once who used to come in, you know, in some of the most flamboyant cars, and eventually we got to realize that she was trafficked um came in and got impregnated by the ringleader pimp so it, it's it's not often what what i'm sure other women in the waiting room would have been wishing they were her being dropped off by a driver in those big exotic cars so i think i think people should learn to follow their hunches if your mind tells you something's not quite right, then something is not quite right. And seek to find out who you can talk to. Um, like in the UK, if you notice that something is not quite right, there are helplines. Um, and even in, in a place like Nigeria, raising concerns. Um, so in the UK, you have the modernslavery.org, I think, um, forward slash reports email address and you have the modern slavery helpline which is an 08000 number um then if in immediate danger anyway there's always 999 and if in suspicion of trafficking there's 101 in nigeria for instance you have the national agency for the prohibition of trafficking in persons NAPTIP, under the federal ministry of um, humanitarian affairs Disaster Management and Social Development. And they also have a toll-free number. Um, I don't know the number by heart, but I know that their email address is info at nactip.gov.ng. Thank you. I'll try and look for it so I can put it up on our page so that people would see it. Um, you've, you've said quite a lot, and I'm also looking at our time. Uh, we still have some questions here. You, you've also said about things ways to point point people to the place of help uh i think from what you said i think we'll be able to grasp indeed what the challenges are of human trafficking locally or even internationally and i'm wondering what can we do to stop or prevent human trafficking so um, I've, I've told us that at all levels, the burden of human trafficking is huge. And the challenges are that some people will kill for this multi-billion dollar industry. 
Plus the fact that many people who are trafficked or who are victims of modern or contemporary slavery do not want to even come up themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think where to start from is to first of all visualize oneself. If one was to be a victim of trafficking, how would one be? What would be the immediate um, thing that would bring one succor? Is it for one to be judged? Or is it for one to be supported? So I think the immediate thing we should learn to do is not to be judgmental. I find that in my research work, one of the things that is the major stumbling block, and I'm taking this question answer at different levels, so individual level, community level, and government level. So at the individual level, we should try not to be judgmental we should learn how to seek the signs out and how to proffer support. And support does not mean putting your own self in harm's way, no. Support means either giving the helplines or reaching out to non-governmental organizations or faith-based organizations who have a system um, to channel people to the right destination. Support means picking up the phone and telling the police that there is something suspicious here. So this is at individual level. And then at individual level, why would you want to be a trafficker? Why would you want to be an, a harvester of organs? Why? You know, they say, I, I am the one who says it, that our shared humanity is a true religion. So at individual level, these are not things we should engage in. If we are already engaging in them, I think we should desist. Then at community level, what are we doing? What are social cultural values that are pushing people to be trafficked or to become traffickers? What can we do about them? As a church, because I also found out in my work that a lot of people take their pictures to churches and to their different religious houses to pray for them so that they can meet people in the destination countries that they can defraud. If, if I use my common languages, my people were telling me in my own research, they say, so that I am a Bini girl. Interpreted, that means that they will be able to take the sh entire sheep from the white man. <laughs> so that will take the entire belongings of a white man or a white woman that they come across. So I, I interpreted that on, on, on the surface to mean actually defrauding these people. And you see prayers being said over these pictures that mothers bring to the church. So as a society, we need to move away and tell, be bold enough, brave enough to tell ourselves that why have you trafficked your daughter? It shouldn't be so. Now, at, at the government levels, we have found out that if you make the pathways for legal migration to be easily accessible to the majority of your population, then you make illegal migration unattractive. So what do I mean? It's not enough for me to take a plane now, go to Mali, go to Agadez, go to Torino, go to UK, London, and begin to put people on them and say, come back home and, you know, come away from forced slavery or prostitution oh. or being pimped. No. What I should do is to go back home and study those push factors and begin to enact policies that will now make people to be able to migrate legally. And therefore, there'll be no need for you to go to a voodoo man or to patronize the illegal channels. So imagine if I were to be a plumber and, and I'm using this because these are the artisans in our society. Or if I was to be a bronze caster in Igun Street, and there's a formal way for migration which my government has put in place. That is, maybe there is a huge demand for state artifacts, for instance, somewhere in Europe. Nothing stops us from creating channels where people can come and teach the Europeans 
how these things are created and create it for them and mass there. Our people even in the diaspora get them. So you then create legal channels of migration for even the lowest of the lowest within your economic strata. Mm -hmm. Now, if that is arranged, that plumber, that bronze caster will not embark on an illegal journey to Europe. If, Grace, how much does it cost us to make our hair here? <laughs> Mine costs a couple of hundreds of pounds, what I have on my head. Now, there are a lot of young ladies in Nigeria who are extra skilled at making hair. And there is huge demand. Even the Caucasians in Europe want their hair woven. And those of us who are in the diaspora in Europe, we want our hair woven. So imagine a situation where there is a formal government policy to say that as far as you can provide evidence of your skill, you are going to be able to go to Europe via this formal pathway for five years on bond term. And after that, you are maybe going to come or you are going to have formal pathways to be integrated into that society. Why would such a person now go and patronize illegal traffickers? So it behoves our government and all the agencies like NACTIPS all the stakeholders to come together, go back to the drawing board and use researches such as mine as they emanate because these are solid evidence based to begin to enact policies that will facilitate people finding illegal migration very, very unattractive. Finally, the government of the day must begin to economically empower people because if people are empowered, stable, and there is economic growth, then they are going to be satisfied with their own countries. They are not going to go along the lines of colonization and begin illegal migration mm -hmm. to the old colonial um, people. So these are things we all need to look at at the different levels to stem illegal migration, human trafficking, and contemporary slavery of all types thank you so much that is um, totally totally comprehensive i'm sure even the church also found something in there to do so that we could stop or prevent human trafficking and i want to say that for the church sorry grace for the church yes the church in nigeria for instance is differently positioned from the church in europe a lot of my respondents in my research, I found them in churches. So that tells me that the churches and their shelters and what they provide in Europe are really like succor for people who are wanting to redeem themselves from trafficking. Whereas the church in Nigeria can create investment, microfinance, a lot of things that could deter people from embarking first on these journeys. Okay, that's uh, that's uh, that's good because I know some churches too that have um, some of these houses for abused women and some of these houses where they put people from off the streets who are you know sex traffic, um, doing sex traffic work and just actually provide them with a new home because it's not just enough to say to people stop doing this because some of, some people are actually doing this because that's they, they don't have the skills. This is the only way they know, you know to go about things. Uh, and I want to believe that this fight is still on. And one of the other ways we can actually prevent or stop uh, when it comes to human trafficking is educating people, is for us to enlighten people, for us to make programs that we get people. I've watched some of them where people who are in Italy begin to speak out to say, what I was promised is not what I have found. And, you know, this is channel to several other young girls and other people, parents who uh, I remember those days in, in Benini, Benini Market, I don't know market where they come, the next thing they start, ask for the boys, next thing the boys send the picture of one white man and they all start looking around, you know, and happy and all that. And, and, and unfortunately I did have somebody who wouldn't look like that. Later she sent a tape and all of that. But I, I knew then where I used to stay there was this um, 
be new woman like this. She was operating a saloon there, many girls there, but that woman, you know, just was that she was a madam. You know, that saloon was just a cover up as girls came and, and she moved people. She moved people. So if we do educate them, if we do let people know that um, this is what is actually happening, there's no, there's no place in Europe where you just come there and you start working and making all those um, money. Uh, and if people are told that, and then just like what Loretta has said, even when these people come for Sukho, we are non-judgmental to them and begin to help them to find their feet again in life because it takes a lot it does take a lot for you to start to do this kind of work what well, this other girl that was talking this lady that was speaking and she said that happened like over 20 years ago she was like they they wanted to they, they wanted to put them all under the guise of fella girls that were part of the fella band and they started to make them to smoke they started to make them to drink and it just why and she was just like and then of course as usual the guy who was sort of taking care of them. Every night he came and picked one girl to help himself. And it's, it's just a horrible story. It's, it's just horrible. Her parents sold everything, thinking she was going to Holland. She said it was one of the men who looked at her and said, why are you not acting? She said the day it was her turn to do the sexual favor to that guy, that she was just saying, please, you can't do this to me. And luckily for her, the, guy, the guy's fiancé just called him. And that's how he left her that night. Or somebody else uh, later on just said, ah, what's, what's your problem? And she was like, this is not what I was told. I've been deceived here, please. And that person looked at her and just, the man just, this, she, she had never been to Lagos before. The guy just said to her from beginning, the guy just said, when you pass here, walk down to this place, walk down to this place, get on the bike, this, and never, don't, if you come back here, you're going to be killed. And he gave her, I think, 4,000 naira. And that was how, she left. She said, when she got home, when her mother saw her, her mother fainted. Because her parents had sold everything apart from the house they were living in. In short, her church did send forth for her in all of this, not even knowing that the, it was someone in church that actually introduced her, not even knowing that that was what the person was doing. So um, it, it's a fight that will continue. And it's a fight we, we, we all have to stand up about and most importantly like what Loretta has said it's something that's going to be done individually community and in the government level and we all can make a difference we all can make a difference i want to say a big thank you once again to Loretta that was quite 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 enlightening always very educative thank you for joining us again this evening uh, we do hope to have you one of these days, but I'm not sure yet. But I know that this has cost you a, a lot to come. And I'll say a big thank you to all our viewers. I'm sorry I'm not wearing my glasses. I had to also not use my iPad. I'm using my phone, so I can hardly even see the names. So I can't even call people's names. So I'm really sorry about that. But it is highly appreciated that you've joined us tonight. And we do hope to see you again. Uh, till we come your way again, this is Gracilis. This is Kada Matters. We are here every Thursday evening at 8.30 p.m. And by God's grace, next week, we're going to be starting a new series. I believe we're looking at spiritual abuse. So hope to see you there. And um, remember that God hates abuse. There's no excuse. For we abuse. hope you and enjoyed and learned from today's session. Till we come your way again, you. remember, you, God hates abuse. Bye. There is no excuse for abuse. The church, which is you and I, say no to domestic abuse.